Welcome to another edition of Saturday Night Bible Study. chapter 15. Uh, we're going to be in there for just a few verses. 15 verse 36. 13? Yep, chapter 15 verse 36. This is the divorce of Paul and Barney. This is the, this is the divorce of Paul and Barney. Yep. Uh, Paul and Barnabas are going to separate, go separate ways here, but uh, so we're going to do this a little bit different. We're going to have you guys read out loud, so make sure you speak loudly when you read the scriptures. <coughs> and so who would like to start with uh, chapter 15, verse 36, just verse 36? Whoever reads, you have, read super loud. Yeah, Nate, you have to, Nate, you have to at least talk like loud. Just be a little enthusiastic. Just be a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. We need some juice. <clears throat> After some time, all I said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia, Pamphylia, and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and as he left, 36. So, I thought you said from 36. Like, so, forever. All right, so throughout Paul's journey, uh, he was often, like, he maintained a love and concern for the churches that he established. You read throughout his epistles where he often sent the letters back to the church he established, and he was really like, hey, I, I care and love for you guys. And so, like, this really is him just saying, hey, I want to make sure everything's good, right? They just had the Council of Jerusalem. They just went through and talked about the Judaizers. Remember we talked last week about the Judaizers, about how they said, you know, you have to believe in Jesus, but you also have to be circumcised in order to be saved. And so they had just had this council and said that's not the truth and so he's like hey let's go let's circle back to all these people that we have established our churches from and let's talk about them and then uh barnabas was like great let's do that i'll grab john mark and we can go and paul was like hold up hold it john mark abandoned us last time we ain't taking this dude he kind of held the grudge yep he was like this, this isn't and so you see here that the Greek indicates heated feelings between them, even like anger. So this is this is a, a very big point of contention between Paul and Barnabas, because Barnabas is uncle, right? So he's uncle to John Mark, 
So he sees the potential and he believes John Mark should be going with him. And Paul's like, hold up. He abandoned us last time. We're not taking him. We don't have all the details of the argument, but the Greek indicates that they were angry with each other. Mm-hmm. That they were they were arguing. All oh, some names. Guess what, guys? They broke up. It happens in the church. There's going to be times where people, for whatever reason, get angry with each other. And so this is a good way for for us to look at scripture and say what what happens when you do have when you do get in these situations with someone else well how did Paul and Barnabas handle it they agreed to mutually go different directions right they said we're stuck together forever they said hey you go to the first cities we went to I'm going to take Silas and we're going to go to the other cities uh, they did not let conflict hinder the work of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay? That's the one thing I want to point out. They did not let their conflict stop what the Holy Spirit and what God was doing. They said, hey, let's make a plan. We obviously have difference of opinions, but we're going to go different directions. So Barnabas and Mark went towards Cyprus, and they went a different direction. Uh, later on, we see that... <laughs> later on, we see that Paul... Reconciliated with John Mark. Reconciled. Yeah, we see that they reconciled. We actually see that he requested Timothy bring Mark because Mark was helpful to Paul for ministry. And we can read that in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, where he's basically saying, hey, bring Mark with you because he's helpful in the ministry. And so, so even though there's some conflict here, because they were able to come to a resolution and find a way to move the work of the Lord forward, they actually came back together and got to a point where they reconciled. So, so just because you have disagreements with brothers and sisters, and just because we have disagreements with, disagreements with people in the church, doesn't mean that the work of the Lord can't move forward. It might mean that you have to reconcile or put some space or time between you and then fix it, right? Because it's all about unconditional love. It's all about realizing that it's not about us, it's about you. Yeah. So. Yeah. so, verse 40. Who wants to read verse 40? Go for it. Verse 40. Go, Greg. Do 40 and 41. When Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So Silas was a mature believer. Uh, he was a prophet already used by the Holy Spirit to challenge and encourage churches. He was chosen because of the difficult environment that Paul was going into in South Galatia. Uh, Silas, like Paul, was a Roman citizen, uh, which is important. It's important that because Roman citizens have certain privileges that non-Roman citizens didn't. So the fact that they were Jewish and Roman was important. So Silas was Jewish and Roman, uh, just like Paul. Uh, Silas was a well-respected member of the Jerusalem church, which would actually combat the Judaizers. So Paul's saying, hey, I'm going to take somebody from the Jerusalem church, so I'm going to go out there and say, hey, what you were taught about circumcision is wrong, and here's Silas from the Jerusalem church who is here to say, yes, this is true. So Silas was was a very strategic pick for Paul to 
move forward into his first missionary journey. And he did this because he needed support. He needed, like, he needed backup. In other words. So, uh, which takes us into Acts chapter 16. Yes. Yeah. All right. Bum, 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 so, I want us to read verse 1 through 3. I got it. Do you want to read the Bible? Yeah. 1 through 3? 1 through 3. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but whose father was a Greek. He was well spoken of, of by the brothers at Lystra, Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Well, verse 2 indicates that Timothy had a reputation of being a believer. <laughs> it startled me. <laughs> uh, verse 2 indicates that Timothy had a reputation of being a believer in uh, in the Jewish God, in the Jewish faith, mm. uh, and in Jesus, because his, his mom and grandmother taught him up and brought him up. And so he was he was already well established in the church. However, in order to go on this trip, uh, Paul had confidence in Timothy, calls him son or student, but in order to take him on this trip, he circumcised him. Now, this seems a little odd considering the Jerusalem Council we just talked about. We <laughs> talked about how the Gentiles didn't have to be circumcised in order to follow Jesus. Right, so they basically said, hey, you don't have to be circumcised. Here's We talked about last week the rules they had to follow, which was no, they couldn't drink blood, they couldn't eat meat, sacrificed to idols, and they had to maintain sexual purity, right? They couldn't, you know, worship through sexual immorality. Uh, so, but here we have Paul, who was one of the biggest people saying, hey, no, no, Jesus, it's all about Jesus, and you don't have to follow the, the old rules. So, but here we have him circumcising a grown man to go on a trip with him. And so really the, the reason he did this is because he would have been rejected if he had gone. So so Paul still had where he would go to the Jew first, whenever whatever city he would go to, he would go to the Jew first, and then he would go to the Gentile. And he knew that if he went to some of these Jewish synagogues with an uncircumcised Jew, he would be rejected. And so he said, for the greater good of putting Jesus first. It's just a strategy. Though. It's strategy, right? And so it's like, you know, he said, and, and we read in Scripture, when in Rome, do as Romans do. So basically, all he's doing is saying, you're going to be circumcised so you'll be accepted by these people so that you can preach Jesus. It's going to make things easier. Because it didn't violate any moral law. Him getting circumcised wasn't something moral that he was doing. It was simply something, it was a strategy to say, hey, we do this sometimes in modern day. When we go into, like, closed countries that don't accept Christianity, we say, hey, we're going to go in there and we're going to teach English. So we're going to go be an English teacher, but in the fact that now we're allowed to go into a closed country to Christianity to preach English, but I'm going to bring Christianity with me through teaching English. So it's a strategy, and God often gives missionaries and gives people that are planning the word of God and moving the kingdom forward, gives them strategies on how to yeah, how to enter places to bring the word of God. They're literally ninjas. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so Timothy being half Jew 
if he was uncircumcised, many Jewish people would find that completely intolerable, wouldn't allow him into the synagogue, and they would reject Paul and Silas's message because <clears throat> Timothy was not circumcised. So that's his whole reason for doing this. And Timothy had no problem jumping in there and saying, I got you, right? So I'm not uh, attached to it at all. <laughs> oh, no. He was. <laughs> he was, literally. So he basically just wanted to remove barriers that would hinder the promotion of the gospel itself. So verse 4 and 5. Who's reading verse 4 and 5? Go for it. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were stretched or well, straightened. Oh, well, is it? Strengthened. I can Strengthened. barely see that word. Straightened in the faith. Where is it? And grew daily in numbers. Oh, yeah. So they basically took a letter from the Jerusalem Council that said, hey, you don't have to be circumcised to be saved. And they took this letter and they, they basically went out and said to the churches that they went to, saying, hey, belief in Jesus Christ is all it takes to be saved. And so they took these letters from the Jerusalem Council and they basically just went and reinforced and reiterated what they had decided at the Jerusalem Council and basically combating what the Judaizers were going out and saying. Like, hey, you Gentiles, you have to be circumcised or you can't be a Christian. So this was part of their mission. Their second missionary journey was to go back to these churches and just establish that this was not the case. The belief in Jesus Christ alone was all it took to follow Jesus. Uh, the one thing that we see all through Mark's writings is he was very much big on it added to the church daily. <laughs> And so that simply meant that he continued, the churches continued to grow. So what the message they were taking was basically, uh, I don't want to say approved, but it, it basically the Holy Spirit was approving their message. Hmm. The Holy Spirit was supporting their message because the numbers were continuing to be added to the church daily. And so can you imagine having more people added to the church daily. No. Like, we, we meet weekly, right? And we're, we're excited if, like, two people show up a week, and we're like, yeah. Yeah, 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 we got two people. But in this church, they were adding daily. Every day, new people were coming in saying, hey, I want to worship with you guys. Like, I want to find out about this Jesus, and I want to I want to, I want to do this. And so this was a pretty exciting time and a pretty big uh, growth for the church at this time. The church was growing multiple, multiple, every day people were coming in and adding to uh, the kingdom. So the church grew in numbers daily. So that that's like him encouraging whoever's reading this book, like, hey, guess what? All the things we did built the numbers, built the people coming into the, not, and, and it's not even about building the church, but it's more about bringing people into Christ, right? Yeah. And it's about bringing people to the knowledge of Christ, because that's what they're, that's what Paul's purpose was, was to take the gospel message to the Gentiles and to all these churches that are outside of Jerusalem. So, uh, verse 6, supposed to read. Luna. Oh, no. <laughs> Dude, I'm so good. And they went through the region of Phrygia. 
Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, moved on, and when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, here we have uh, a good example of someone who listens to the Holy Spirit having his own desires, right? It would have made sense for him to move into Asia from where he was at, because just let's just go west, yeah. or I'm sorry, let's go east, right? Uh-huh. We're going to go east into Asia. It makes sense. We're close, but the Holy Spirit said no. Now, we know that later on Paul does go to Asia because that's Ephesus, right? So we know he wrote to the Ephesians, so on, a, on another missionary journey, he's going to go towards Asia, but this missionary journey, God and the Holy Spirit wanted him to go to Europe. And so he told them, let's go east. And we're going to see they keep trying. They keep being persistent. They keep going to these places and and God saying no. And we don't know if the Holy Spirit's like coming like and saying like, don't go there. Or if it's just like something that's like, hey, obviously we can't go this direction. Like they're hostile towards us or, or whatever it was. But I just pictured them like coming up on the border. There could have been an angle there. And it's oh, like, yeah. step over it, and you just hear, like, nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> and then they back up, right. like, okay, Lord, yeah, we'll go, we'll back up and go somewhere else. Oh, <laughs> but you see that, but you see it in, in the next couple of verses. Paul's not one to just sit around and be like, all right, I'm going to wait on the Lord. He's like, all right, let's go to the next town. And so you see him charging forth, and you see the Holy Spirit consistently saying, no, no, no. no. So verse, uh, verse 7 and 8. Who's reading? Anybody? Um, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. Keep going. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So, here Paul had a vision. And he had a vision of a guy, we don't know who, who his vision was, but a man basically spoke to Paul in his sleep and said, hey, come to Macedonia. We need you. And so Paul has his direction. So this is a, a, a good example of God directing you through dreams, right? Oh. So we see God speaking to Paul through dreams. So we can be, so God can still, still speak to us through dreams today. Uh, but this was a direct order. Like, hey, come to Macedonia. We need help. So Macedonia was around Rome. It was in the southern part of Europe. So he's over here on the on the east side. So he's got to make a trek. So if you see on your maps, you'll see that trek where he actually takes and heads on over to uh, Macedonia. And, you know, he's going from Iconium to Phygra. And you see him, like, heading east or heading west over into Europe. So... That's crazy because there wasn't like any like symbolism or like hidden message. It was like, like, come to Macedonia because we need M A C. (laughs) (laughs) He can't spell the rest. Yeah, it it wasn't. It wasn't like some of our dreams that were like, "What are you trying to say to me, Lord?" He was like, "Macedonia." (laughs) Now, where do you want me to go? And then he has a dream. 
Macedonia. And like, for us, we're like, Lord, where do you want us to go? We wake up, we're like, what do oranges, trucks, and overalls mean in the dream? <laughs> where am I supposed to go? Alabama. Alright, then Holy Spirit said, take a look. Israel, reverse. What do bluebirds mean? Get the drink book. Oh, so real quick before we move on, this is when the 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 person of the of the letter changes, right? So it goes from being in third person to being in first person. So we know that at this point, at some point between this this journey, Luke joins them. Oh, come it on, Luke, like, the doctor. Hey, now I'm involved. Like, I'm here, so we're going to say we. So you, you start saying, it's like, we went here and we did this. So you know that Luke is with them now. So uh, so this is the we passages. So when people talk about the we passages of Acts, this is the we passages. We? Yeah. Oh, like, 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 like we. Like we. Like we. Like we. We went. We made a passage. Wait, how do you know that Luke joined them? Verse 11, 12. He just said so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just listen to the podcast. Let me not ask. I'll just, I'll just move because I wasn't listening to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about wee little. <laughs> but that's what I thought. I thought he meant like wee passages. I was like, why is it so small? Luke joins. Go ahead, Israel. <laughs> So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace. The following day to Neapolis. From there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. We remained in this city three days. Okay, so Philippi, which is where he established one of his one of his major churches. All right, one of his one of his epicenters of of sending forth the gospel. Like and he even wrote a letter to them later on called Philippians. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so this church he established in Philippi. Uh, so he got there and he basically said, uh, "We're gonna we're gonna set up camp here." Now Philippi was named after the father of Alexander the Great and oh, yeah. was oh, yeah. one of the leading cities in Macedonia. So you see Paul very strategically when he, when he would go to to areas, he would find the big city you would find the mecca town like like the one that like everybody's coming to the hub so to speak of the hot spot spot. yeah and he would find and he would establish his church there and then from there they would go out and minister to the other smaller towns. so he would go to dallas so he would go to dallas and then the people from dallas would minister to the little town so so yeah so that's what that was paul's strategy and you see him do that throughout the first missionary journey now he's doing it through the secondary, second missionary journey. He does it through the third and the fourth, where he establishes these these churches or these these assemblies inside the big cities. Uh, so, verse thirteen, uh, we're going to read that in just a second. But one of the things that that we need to understand is there was no Jewish synagogue in Philippi. Okay, so there was so like. His model of going to the Jews first and then going to the Gentiles kind of disrupted because there was no synagogue for him to go just like post up in and be like, all right, we're going to start preaching about Jesus and tell you all how he is the Messiah. And so he had to find some unique ways to minister here. And so we're going to head into verse 13. Was Judaism the religion in Macedonia? No. Okay. It was Rome. So it was Roman Mm. religion. So 
Apollo and and Zeus, I think, is probably one of the. So think about the Roman gods. So the Roman gods were the major gods of this area. Percy Jackson. Percy Jackson. Oh my goodness. So uh, read 13 through 15. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer, and we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. Okay, hold up. Let me get you to do 14 from there. So, custom was, if there was not a synagogue in the city, to go outside of the city and find a place in nature to pray. And so, uh, I'm sure through talking to people, maybe even asking questions, they're like, hey, where, where do you guys go to pray if you're Jewish? And they probably said, oh, there's a river outside the city because... Obviously, there were some people already praying there, so like it wasn't just like they just like went, oh, let's go find a river. Oh, here's some people. It, it was probably like, hey, we're going to go to where these people gather for prayer meeting. And when they got there, there was a bunch of women there. Yes. And so this is significant yes. because in, in, in cities where there's 10 or more Jewish men, they establish a synagogue. Oh. Okay. What do they do with so, women? So if there wasn't 10 men here, 10 Believing Jewish men, they wouldn't have established a synagogue here, which is why they had a, a prayer place outside of the city. So, so, all right, so verse 14. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. Okay, so Lydia was a businesswoman. Yes, she was. She made some money. She had some bank. Yeah, she's a girl boss. So she was, she, when, it, when it talks about the, the, that linen that she was selling, uh, it was it was probably like a purple linen that they make from shellfish, so it was expensive, so a lot of royalty would buy it. Yeah. So she had a large house. She had a, a large, she had like people that worked for her that lived inside her home. Like, I think so, the biblical term is balling. <laughs> she, she was... She was not, she wasn't just a normal woman. She was very affluent. She had money. She was, she was important. And Paul started preaching and she goes, I believe what you say and I want to follow Jesus, which is amazing. Uh, first girl first, boss in the Bible? You follow Jesus? I don't know if that's the first girl boss in the Bible, but. Oh, no, Mary was a girl boss. Sorry. Uh, Mary was a girl boss. 16 and 17. Who wants to read 16 and 17? She and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. So they, they set Lydia's home up as their assembly headquarters. Like this is kind of like where they people would come here to worship and praise Jesus and stuff. So Lydia's home became the assembly where, where they would come to Preach where Paul would preach and Silas would preach, and people would come there to worship and pray. Uh, now, here's something. Here's something that that kind of gets skipped, I think, sometimes. The gospel entered Europe through a woman's Bible study. Come on, a woman's prayer group. Come on, these were women who were praying, and through this through this woman's prayer group church entered into Europe okay so like so Jesus That's so cool. the message of the Messiah and the salvation of Jesus in the gospel came through women so when people tell you 
that women should be silent in the church, you need to go back here and be like, hey, Lydia, Lydia. was a leader in oh, the church. Word. Lydia was the whole reason that word. the church at Philippi existed because she said, come use my home. Come use my stuff. Like, I want, if you think, she even said to Paul, if you think that I'm, that I accept the Lord and you find it in your favor, come to my home and rest here and we'll, we'll hub out of this place. And so, uh, but I think it's important to, to look at those kind of nuances. Like, this is the first time a woman has kind of been the leader and said, hey, here's my home and move toward the cause and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 16 and 17. That reminds me of Mary, right? A little bit of Mary, yeah. So there were some other women there. Uh, if you look into it, uh, there were some other women there that, that basically worked with Paul in the case of the gospel. But it really was the women of Philippi that, that helped advance the church in Philippians, or the Philippian church. Uh, Verse 16 and 17. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. So, well, that's kind of crazy. The Greek here says she had a spirit in her, a demon. Right, and the word actually translates to ventriloquism or divination. Uh, and so basically, basically the yeah. demon the demon is is using her like a puppet, right? So the demon is no speaking kidding. and using her. And so when no you think kidding. about ventriloquism, ventriloquism, like <laughs> the person is using it. I knew ventriloquists were evil. <laughs> <laughs> we all knew, bro. Anyways, so the demon controlled her tongue. So think about this. The Greek also implies she was speaking uh, for Apollo or Pythos. Uh, and so Pythos meant a snake or python. And so that had to do with the Greek Apollo. And so she was here channeling. What we'd call it today is channeling. The demon was channeling through her. But what she was saying was not untrue. Yeah. True ultimate good. What she was saying was that these are men from God and that they are telling people the way of salvation. The Greek indicates she was shrieking. So like she's like going she through this. Well, no, she was in support of it, but it was it was like she was saying it so that it she could spin it being someone that was fortune telling and basically telling your future or giving you she was almost taking credit. She was almost trying to say, Hey, look at these men, they're telling you to go to God and how to find salvation. But because she was from Apollos, she was probably saying more along the lines of, "I know who they are." These are these are people that are telling you about Apollo, like, and listen to them, and they they're following our gods instead of the god of Jesus. She was listening to Paul. She was so she does. She, the demon in her was doing what demons always do: they take truth mm. and, and they subvert. spin it and try to twist it so that you think, "Oh, this is good." So. Eve in the garden, the devil, when he came in, he's like, surely God didn't say you couldn't eat of that fruit, or you, surely he would say you wouldn't die. You can eat of that fruit, and you'll be like God. 
right? He just spun it enough that she's like, I need to question this. I need to start. And so this is the same thing. The demon was, was taking a little bit of the truth and spinning it just enough. But she did this for several days. Huh. And so, so annoying. Finally, <laughs> Imagine I this know, lady like, just everywhere Paul goes, this, this woman is screeching like this. <laughs> And this she kept doing for many days, Paul having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. It came out that very day. Come on! So, I've never heard of anybody delivering somebody else out of frustration. <laughs> Bro, so I'm so basically he's like, I can't take the woman <laughs> screeching this anymore. In the name of Jesus, get out. So Paul knew it was not bringing glory to God. Like he knew like something else was happening, nor did it proclaim the truth of the gospel. Paul spoke to the evil spirits, not to the woman. He spoke to the spirit. He said, Spirit, leave. He didn't say, woman, stop annoying me. <laughs> he identified that it wasn't a person, but it was something controlling her. So he, he addressed the demon. But this is the same thing Jesus did in the, in the Old Testament. He talked to the demons and said, hey, get out. And they said, Jesus, tell us not to go. And you know, tell us to go to the pigs, so we'll have something to inhabit. And he's like, all right, you can go to the pigs. And the pigs ran off and jumped in the, off the cliff. But, but he followed... The model of Jesus, Jesus spoke to the demon and told the demon to come out. Same thing, Paul spoke to the demon, the demon came out. Uh, so, but this woman was a slave, okay? And she was owned by some businessmen, and Paul casting out the demon kind of ruined the business. Oh, man. Took away their money pot. No, right? No. So they're really upset. They're really upset with Paul and Silas. So let's read in, in, in the next verse, 19 through 22. Okay. You got it? Oh. Nice oh. <laughs> Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. <laughs> Her master's hopes of wealth was now shattered. That's so dramatic. <laughs> This is Luke, the doctor, by the way. He's, he's just like, you look like that. <laughs> so, no, for real. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. So, so yes, Luke, Luke used his words well. Like he, Luke was very articulate, and it, it's his literature is considered some of the highest literature out there. So like when he puts this in there, like he he did it on purpose. Like he's like. Their hopes and dreams were shattered. Like, uh, so they they got them and drug them to basically the courtyard where the magistrates were and said, "Hey, these guys are a bunch of big Jewish troublemakers." Big Jewish troublemakers. Right. So, so the people of Philippi were proud of their Roman privileges. Right. They didn't want to lose, like their favor with the Roman authorities. So they, they're like, oh yeah, these Jewish people are causing trouble. So like all of a sudden, before anything even happened, the city started going, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, 
yeah, these guys got to get out of here because we don't want to. We don't want to get in trouble with the Roman centurions. We don't want to. We need to get these guys out of here. Plus, they might have been annoyed at this lady that was shrieking about them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we got to get rid of these guys. It's like we got to get them out of here. Uh, Verse 23 and 24. Who's reading? Uh, I got it. Mike. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them in inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. Wait. Oh, he, he's writing they. they. So Luke didn't go? Luke was not. No. Luke was <laughs> he was not just there. He was just Paul and Silas. Luke said, I don't just know. Just the two. <laughs> <laughs> Luke said, we were weird. They, 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 they. It wasn't we no more. It wasn't we no more. It was they. Paul and Silas were the ones that got beaten and went to jail. Yeah. Uh, but I think I think we skipped the verse because uh, in 22 it says they they ripped their clothes. Oh yeah, oh yeah, they, they made them nude. They ripped their clothes off and started beating them with rocks. Dang. Okay. So not stone. They weren't stone. They were flogged. They were beaten with rocks. And so then after they, you know, so here's here's the deal though. They didn't let them defend themselves. They didn't even let them say anything. The, these oh, businessmen nice. got the crowd riled up, and because the row, crowd was being so loud and causing a scene, the Roman guards just said, all right, beat those guys. So they started beating them with sticks. They assumed that they <laughs> no, were so. Jews, mm. oh. right? They assumed they were Jews, so they beat them and then said, throw them in, in prison. And, he, and then they took them to the jailer, and they said, hey, put these guys and make sure they don't come out. So the jailer put them in the inter jail, which is like, Reserved for real bad people, the murderers, the, like the, the worst of the worst. The inner jail was not like that's where you're not going to break out. And then he put them, they put put his their legs in stocks. Okay, and so you know, I, I was telling Jen earlier, we were talking, and I was like, you know, you see the stocks where they put their head in their hands, and like, you know, th this is not how it actually was. Like we're talking, like they would put their legs in these wooden stocks and spread their legs so far. That there was no chance that they were getting out, right? And so it was a painful experience. So not only were they beaten, but they were put into a dark, wet, dungy, terrible place, probably with rats and insects, probably moist. There were no windows to see out. It was. It was. You'll see in a minute that it was so dark you couldn't even see into the dungeon. Like you couldn't see inside of it. You'll see here in a minute when we when we when the story continues to go. But what did Paul and Silas do? What did Paul and Silas do? They just got beaten. They just got beaten. They just got put in stocks. They just got thrown into prison. Who wants to read what Paul? I want to read. Gina. Go for it. What verse is it? 25. 25, 26. 25, 26. Right there. Right there. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Okay, stop. Suddenly. So. So, what are they doing? Praising. Now, they're singing songs. They're, they just got beat. They just, and they prayed and they're singing hymns. They're singing praise. Right? Yeah. Guys, these guys are in prison. Think about their circumstances. They don't know what's going to happen to them tomorrow. 
We see this every time that Christians in the first century were put in jail. You see, Peter, he was just taking a nap. He was rest, he was he was entering God's shalom, right? Nothing missing, nothing uh, lacking. Lacking. Come on. And so here we have Paul and Silas worshiping. Yeah, he praying, talking to Jesus. Let me tell you, we're about to read about this concert, about this worship service that Paul and Silas about to have because they're about, they about to do something with the praise. Hold on, wait, everybody. And suddenly, 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 there was a great earthquake, so that so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Come on! Suddenly and immediately, yeah. right? Yeah. Their worship practice or their worship concert <laughs> yeah. brought, literally, literally brought the house down. Yes! <laughs> literally shook the earth, <laughs> like. So God uses these moments, like when in things in our lives, when when a natural disaster is probably an earthquake that happened, but God used it to release His people. Yeah. God used it, used their praise, used what they were doing, their prayers to say, "Hey, I'm with you. Don't worry." So when we go through our trials, we go through our things. God wants us to pray and worship, pray and praise. Right? We talk about that a lot. When you're in the pit, when you're in the dark places, it's about Praising. It's about saying, hey, it don't look right. Something don't look wrong. Lord, help me. They prayed and they sang hymns. Guys, this is a model for us like to do the same things. When we're in a place and we're dark and we don't know what's going on, we pray and we praise. Right? All of them. All of them were released. <laughs> so. Because all of them were listening, right? You you so the Greek yeah, indicates yeah. a period of prayer, then they began to praise despite their circumstances. Uh, so, here, I'm going to explain to you something that happens. So, if you get put in jail in, in Rome, they wrote a bill, or or like a, I guess a certificate of what you owe. So let's like say you, you stole something, and you owe five years, right? And so you have to go to jail for five years. At the end of that five years, they write, paid in full, and they give you that certificate so that if anything happens, you'd be like, hey, I paid it in full. I have my certificate, right? right? I was in jail for five years. If you break out of jail or you escape mm -hmm. and there's two years left on your sentence, the jailer has to serve those two years. <gasps> oh, no. Okay? Dang. Someone's going to die So all these <laughs> prisoners <laughs> just got out. And this jailer is awakened by the earthquake. He's probably like. Yeah. Like that, so, that, it was just The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. Why was he going to kill himself? Because he didn't want to serve all of those years. He was in trouble. He was like, all of the prisoners. So he lost years. all the prisoners. He has to pay back. He personally has to pay back every single prisoner that is set free now. So he should have ran with them. So he, says, <laughs> so, like, so he went in his mind and he goes, I, I'm not. I, so think about how the Romans killed people. Yeah, he was, he's like, right in my own hand. So they either put them on the cross, right? They put them on the cross. They stoned them. They beat them. He goes, I'm just going to take my own life. So he draws his sword. He goes to pull it in his stomach. Uh, but something happens before then, and this, oh is, this is kind of an awesome thing. So, 
the word that they wrote on your certificate when you finished your your uh, your sentence is Celesta. Stop! It means paid in full. Celesta meant paid in full. So when you went to jail and you got your certificate and it said, this is how many years that you have, it says, Celesta paid in full. It was the final saying that Christ said on the cross. He said, Celesta. He said, paid in full. Your sin is paid in full. It's done. And so now we have a certificate that says, Celesta. So when people come to you and say, you're a sinner, you're this person, you're the pen. He's like, I don't care. Celestai. It's paid in full. Wow. And so, so, right here, right now, this, this guard's about to put his sword through him, but before he could say, I have to take on all the sins of these prisoners, Paul intervenes. So, let's read. But Paul shouted to him, stop. Don't kill yourself. We are all here. <laughs> the jailer called for lights and ran down to the dungeon fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And he says, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and the debt that you just took on with all these people will be paid in full. And if you, but it's not only, but it's not only available to you, but it's also available your to your whole family if they believe in Jesus. And the jailer said, said, let's go tell my family. Yes! <laughs> uh, so, why why do you think this jailer was, was, there was all these people in there. So first off, he couldn't see into the dungeon. That, that's how you know how dark it and dreary it was in there. Now, you just hear voices, we're here. Yeah. So Paul obviously could see out because when you're in a dark place and there's light on the other, you can see this guy just pulling his sword. Wait, wait, we didn't leave. We're still here. And he was like, then he got scared, right? Yeah. Why, why did he get scared? Thought they were not. Because probably he had some fear, but he heard, the jailer also heard them worshiping, also heard them praying to God. <coughs> so you don't think in his mind he went, their God saved them. Now I'm going to go ask how I can be saved by this same God. Mm-hmm. So there, there was a place where there was conviction came to his heart, whether it was through the worship, whether it was through the prayers, whether it was through just the circumstances of them showing mercy to the jailer. Some reason made him want to follow the same God that Paul and Silas. What did you just say? Like, it was like a, a battle of the gods. Mm. Explicitly, God said, okay, cool. Have all these Romans and Jews who were out there, but they're doing whatever they want to do with Paul and Silas. They beat them, did whatever they want to do with Paul and Silas. They just talked to me my mind earlier. Uh, the words, praise will be my song. How can I contain it? How can I contain this love? Mm-hmm. And love is choice as well as truth. Wow. It's both ends. It comes from each other. And literally is a battle of the gods. God is more powerful. Yes. Yeah. For the Lord. For the Lord. <laughs> so let's keep reading verse 
Where are we at? We're in uh, verse 31, or are we still? Thirty-two. Thirty-two. Let's go. And they shared the word of the Lord with them, with him, and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. So this shows a change in the jailer. So all of a sudden, he is, hey, let's 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 doctor you up. So he took a man, washed their wounds. Luke's at Lydia's house saying, Lord, please help Paul and Silas get out of this mess. Surrounded by all the women and the things and all, the all the people that they had converted over, yeah. They're all over there praying at Lydia's house. And we know that because later on it's gonna be like, Yeah, they went to Lydia's house where everybody was gathered. So they were obviously gathered and Lydia's and, and praying, so uh, but Luke comes back. Hey, you made it. Keep reading because after they, after he took care of the, the wounds, then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. <laughs> so they just went like it's midnight, guys. It's like one and two o'clock in the morning. It's like let's go out into this uh, this pond out here in front of our house and we That's all good. be baptized. Let's right? go. Wait, we baptized in the pool in the middle. We did. Yeah, bad time. Bad time yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Praise the Lord. Uh, so keep going. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Yay! Rejoice. Okay. The next morning, the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer, "Let those men go." So the jailer told Paul. The city officials have said, you and Silas are free to leave. Go in peace. So the okay. magistrates that beat him up, they're like... They probably slept on it. Little, <laughs> oh my gosh. Had a little earthquake. Woke up the next morning and went, yeah, we probably shouldn't put those guys in prison. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> they, they probably served their prison. Do they have like a guy show up so, in their dreams? So then they go, then they, go, then they said, how, how about we just, we just quietly send them out of the city. So go in peace. <laughs> Like, hey, you know, we're just going to clap. But Paul goes, ah, 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 not so fast. Oh, no. <laughs> like, hold up just a minute. And who wants to, who wants to, Luna. Luna. But Paul guy. said to them, they have beaten but, us. But Paul. But Paul, <laughs> typical. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens now threw us out. See, oh, wait. No, no, no. And then thrown us into prison and... Do they now throw us out secretly? He said, hold up. I got We're Roman friends. citizens. You didn't even hold a trial for us. Dang. Okay? So yeah. Roman citizens had rights. You couldn't, you couldn't take a Roman citizen and just throw them in jail without an without like an, without a trial or without accusations. They didn't allow Paul or Silas to speak. And so Paul went, wait a minute. We're Roman citizens. And you didn't treat us with the respect of Roman citizens, so we're not gonna be walking out in the in the like guilty people where we sneak out at night. No, you're gonna send your police over here, and they're gonna escort us out, proving that y'all were wrong. So keep reading. The police reported these words to the magistrate, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. Now they quivered. Yes, let's talk about being as wise as a serpent. Why is the serpent harmless as a dove? So Paul goes, hold up. We're Roman citizens. So what we're going to do now 
is you're going to come over here because we're Romans. Oh, and so all of a sudden the magistrates go, <gasps> if these Romans go to Rome and complain about us, we're in jail. we could go to jail or worse, we could be executed. So they go, oh, wait, 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 So then they went to them and, and, and it, after he says, wait, you're, this isn't how this is going to go down. We're not going to sneak out in the middle of the night like we're guilty parties. So, who's reading Who's reading the rest? Where are we? I think we're in verse 39. Was it 38? 38, yeah. The officers reported this to the mag magistrate. magistrate. Mm -hmm. And when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to a police them and escorted them from the prison requesting them to leave the city so so they said we're going to escort them and that's basically what they said we please go like please like, hey, leave in hey, peace please you know we, we're not gonna you know we're not talking about this anymore and so here's the deal this is here this is how they were white as the serpents because now guess what the magistrates magistrates aren't going to say a word to the Christians because they're now in fear because if they start persecuting the Christians and the church and Philippi guess what happens Paul and Silas goes to Rome and the magistrates are in trouble because all they have to do is say we weren't treated fairly when we were there so all of a sudden we now have now have access for the church to grow and the Roman magistrates left them alone they didn't need to go to the Jews no more. So, first. so here's the deal. I took a beating and I stayed in prison so that the church could advance. And because of that, they worship. And when they worship, God <laughs> made provision for them to grow. Right? Ah, ah! Chapter 16, guys. This is amazing. Uh, so turn to Philippians real quick. Philippians chapter 1, verse 25 through 29. Bible goes Go, okay. Go, go, go. Chapter what? Philippians chapter 1, 21, 25 to 29. Philippians Knowing this. One. So remember, this is this was all taking place in Philippi. <laughs> this was all taking place in Philippi. So Paul, when he writes his letter, he wrote this letter when he was in prison in Rome in AD 60. So it was about five or six years later. But he comes back and he refers. So what does he say? Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. So, Paul basically says, did you do 25 to 29? No, that was 26. Okay. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. Conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come to you and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved, even by God himself. For you have been given... Not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. He says, suffering for Christ. Yeah. He said, stand fast. 
fight. Don't worry about the people that are persecuting you. Guys, we live, we live in a society where persecution against the Christians is, is getting deeper and deeper. And it, it's, it's going to continue to get deeper and deeper as, as we get closer to the second coming of Christ. The Bible says persecution is going to heat up. It's going to get more. So this is all encouraging to you to just say, hey, my enemies might come against me, but my, I suffer for Christ, and it's a positive. It's something that I gain. Uh, as we step back and look at this, uh, this, this chapter has a, has a big deal. So first off, it, we're going to take a 20,000-foot view real quick. If you don't have any sense of direction, according to Scripture, what's the problem? What should you do? Persistent obedience. That's mm. what Paul did, right? He went to one city, and he went to that city, and they were like, oh, <laughs> no, Holy Spirit says don't go there, so I'm going to try a different city. I'm going to try a different city. I'm going to try a different city. And then when he finally got to a point, God said, hey, go here. Right. So mm. persistent obedience. Yeah, so direction. we have no direction. Persistent obedience. We and learned that from Paul. What about relationships with others? Do we have problems with what? How, how should we? How should we have relationship with others? Responsible concern, right? Whoa. So we're not going to go to the to the part with Paul and Barnabas yet, but we're talking about Paul wanting to go back to the churches that he established to make sure that they were moving forward, that they were were moving forward without the false teaching of the Judaizers, that they were moving forward in a positive way. So. This chapter teaches us that our relationship with others, we should have responsible concern for other people. Mm. What about irreconcilable differences like Paul and Barnabas? What are we supposed to do? Cordial separation, right? Space and time. Yep. We still, yeah. space and time, huge. We still want whatever we do, even though we might have, like, beef with somebody, we still want to make sure that everything we do advances the kingdom of God. It's not about me. Paul and Barnabas said, hey, this isn't about us. This is about how we're going to advance the kingdom of God. And that's how we live our lives, right? Mm -hmm. Everything we do is about how we advance the kingdom of God. And then uh, customs or rituals. When we come up against customs or rituals that are different or maybe not like we should do, uh, we should basically say, how does that line up with God and do we get circumcised so that we're accepted no. and can, can take the gospel? Yes. So we basically, through important principles, we, we, we follow the important principles of Christianity. And then directions to take. How do we take, uh, I said directions to take. Directions to take suffering. How do we take suffering? Praise. 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 And through a sense of peace, right? Mm -hmm. That's what Paul said. Hey. What? Well, what were you gonna you say? Said, you said what was it you said in your sermon? Suffer well. Suffer well. Suffer well. Suffer well. Yep. Get to this. This we're, we're not gonna go into sixteen or we're not gonna go into seventeen today. That's going to the Sixteen was full of some juice. Sixteen was full of some juice. That was, that was a joke. Luke. So I got Luke leaves. <laughs> Luke leaves. Luke stays in Philippi. Okay? Yeah. So Luke, Luke's like, hey, you guys are going to keep going on your missionary journey. I'm going to stay in Philippi to make sure the teaching moves forward. So Luke stays in Philippi for a little bit longer to help build the church and help grow the, the believers that are there. And so as we come in next week, we'll be moving into chapter 17. We'll be going, continuing on in there. 
Sometimes, you know, if, if you're struggling with an area, if you can find you can find truth in scripture over something as simple as Paul and, Paul and Barnabas having an argument. Like, like, how did they solve it? Like, they just said, hey, we're going to split up, and you go that way, and we'll go that way, and eventually we're going to come back together and reconcile with each other. Uh, you know, what do you do if you're, if you're, in, a, if you're in a dark, dark <laughs> dungeon or a dark pit? You pray and worship. Like those are the things like that we learn through scripture and how we get from it. But ultimately, number one thing always when we go back to the center is are we advancing the kingdom of Jesus? Yeah, everything so we do should be moving Jesus to the center and moving him forward in everything we do. It's cool that you can uh, you can advance the kingdom with like an attitude. <laughs> like, oh no no, it's you not gonna, love, you're gonna it's lock not us up. Love. You're gonna lock us up publicly? Come tell me yourself. You're sorry, <laughs> well, and he did that because he knew that if he did Still that, on mission. he kind of had kind of had some cards in his pocket. It's not a holy blessing. He had some oh, cards in his pocket holy to say, if you start persecuting the church, uh, I'm just going to go tell him what you did to us. Right? And so, wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. So, all right, let's close out in prayer. Uh, who wants to pray? Anybody? Nobody wants to pray? Pray. 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 Oh. That's all the time we have for today. We hope you enjoyed this journey through the scriptures, and will join us again next week. If you liked this, comment, like, subscribe, tell your friends. We'd appreciate it. And we hope to see you again next week. Have a great day. Thank you.